Okay, welcome to another episode of Shadows in the Cave. My name is Edo Zelos, and I'll be with you for the next little while. And today, we're going to talk about behavior. Behavior, 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 which is what dictates all of our lives, and it also puts us in scenarios that are undesirable sometimes, gets us in trouble, but also leads us to a lot of success and what separates those successful people from the not so successful people and the way they engage in behavior is what we're going to talk about today and i'm going to talk a little bit about the, the what guides our behavior more, more than anything else because we have a lot of conscious and unconscious drives that guide our behavior and sometimes we think they're conscious drives but they're actually unconscious motivations for that drive if that makes any sense probably doesn't but we'll we'll explain it in more detail right now um so anyways if anybody wants to reach me and ask me questions please do so you can reach me on instagram at that boy lost in la and on facebook under pedro nunez i don't know how many pedro nunez there are on facebook but i i don't know i'm probably the first one so um i'm hardly ever on there now but i think i have a I have a picture of of a pond or the bay that that I took many many years ago when I took a nap out there driving up the 101 and I woke up to this beautiful image and I'm like I'm gonna take a picture of this and uh, for reasons that I don't want to disclose that is my uh, my uh, Facebook image so if you see that hit me up on there and I'm happy to answer any questions I do have a lot of experience in clinical psychology and counseling um i've been a part of a lot of research um, i presented research um so i know what i'm doing when it comes to all this i'm still learning myself though at the same time because i'm a lifelong learner and i'm still very, relatively young in the field compared to some of my mentors that have guided me along the way so that's where we're at but right now let's talk a little bit about um, behavior and let's talk a little bit about that triangle of behavior and what is the triangle of behavior that would be thoughts emotions and behavior and I brought this up before I think I brought it up in the um, in the anxiety episode and in the depression episode that we did about a month and a half ago so if you haven't checked those out go back to the archives and check them out by the way those people that are listening for the first time you could we're, we're on, I think we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Play. So if you want to go ahead and check us out in any of those platforms, you go subscribe and we come to you right to your digital device every week when I upload a new episode. So can't beat that deal. Do not do shit. You just go on there. Boom. There it is. And another thing, too, that I wanted to say, because people did hear me cuss right now, this is the People's Podcast. All right. So I have gotten some compliments about the fact that I present this research to, to you guys. And I, I, I've been told that I never talk above you guys, whatever that means. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I always feel like a lot gets lost in academia language, you know, because it could be very confusing. And some of these words are very fancy, smanchy. And it's like, well, the point the point of this relevant research is to get it to the people right the people that are working uh you know 
12-hour shifts, the people that have kids, the people that have busy lives that can't go on the internet or can't take classes to understand what's going on with them, right? Or, or don't have the proper resources to seek help. But at the same time, that fear of the academic lingo or even the academic culture kind of scares people away, the common folk like me, like you listening. So with that said, it's like I always try to keep it very basic and it's just us having a conversation. That has always been my, my defined concept for this show. It's like us just having a conversation and a couple F-bombs slip out or a couple S-bombs slip out, then so be it. Because that's what we have. When, that's what happens sometimes when we're having a conversation, and you know, it's all about just connecting with people and connecting with them at a level where they're going to be comfortable listening to the show. So I've I've had a few people say that it's very down to earth and it's very straightforward, and I love that because that's the point of this show. So going back to the uh, the thoughts, emotions, and behavior thing that we're talking about here, so. Yes, um, th this this is the concept or the theoretical concept of something called um, CBT, which which is the therapy the therapeutic intervention called uh, known as cognitive behavioral therapy that treats individuals with the theory that their their thoughts, emotions, and behavior are connected. So let's simplify this a little bit. Um, so if I have a negative thought right in my head. That's going to give me a negative uh, feeling or emotion. And when I have that negative feeling or emotion, that's going to push out a negative behavior. Again, I've talked about this before in previous episodes. And so a lot of people go through life in that, in that negative cycle of behavior. Negative thought, negative feeling, negative behavior. Negative thought, negative feeling, negative behavior. Watch, rinse, repeat over and over and within that, it translates to bad decisions, negative behavior. Um, and, and so it, it only reinforces the person's belief of themselves as failures. So a lot of this has to do with the way you start thinking about yourself and the way you start validating your own feelings through your behavior. You follow me there? So if you're constantly engaging in negative behavior and you're and you're. Um, feeling the repercussions of the judgment from that negative behavior, which where where which is um, it can be anything from like judgment from your peers, your family, or even uh, legal happenings, going to jail, all these things that just keep on reinforcing your negative core beliefs and keep reminding you that you don't deserve to have a break, don't deserve to be happy, right? What are negative core beliefs? So let's start right there. Negative core beliefs are the ingrained beliefs that we have about ourselves, the ingrained beliefs that we have about the world, and the ingrained beliefs that we have how we relate to the world and the world relates to us. Okay, So pretty much our entire worldview, our entire concept of, of our perspective is embedded in our core beliefs. And for a lot of us, they're negative core beliefs. So at that point, it's like, okay, well, where do I get my negative core beliefs? Well, it goes all the way back to your upbringing, to your experiences and your, and your formulative, formulative years of, of establishing an identity, 
Um, and, and, and within that, there's attachment issues, which, which we've already covered a couple episodes ago. Um, and so it's important that we have good, solid core beliefs, but it's not always easy because it's not always up to us. Matter of fact, it's never up to us, to be honest with you. Very rarely is it. Um, so again, if, if, if you live in, if you come up in a household with maladaptive patterns of behavior from your family, you're going to start, um, you're going to start thinking of that as your own identity. So if you have, if you're, if you come up in an abusive relationship, if you come up in in a, in a situation where there's neglect, you know, so situation where there's been trauma, all these things are formulating your core belief system. And they're creating what we call schemas. That's another thing that I've brought up in the past as well. Schemas is, is, our, is our roadmap on how we interpret different things, you know, as a result of our experiences. So, um, if, if, so, so that's why people that, are, that tend to be racist and they, and they bring up a child in that household, the child's schema about people that are not of his race or ethnicity is that they're bad and they're dumb and they're ignorant and they don't deserve equality. That's because of the schema that they have mirroring a lot of their family's thought process or belief system. So see, that's where you could see that it's very dangerous. And that's an extreme scenario and we see it all the time, unfortunately. But more, more, um, there's also like, like micro, uh, aggressive behavior within the family unit that leads to negative schemas right so like uh like neglect for example like the parent might have to work 12 hours a day you know and and for financial reasons and not be able to be attentive to the children's needs or i think they said the the, the, not the child the adult (laughs) the adult has to work 12 hours a day and not be there not be attentive for the um the children's needs now, there, again, there's no malice there, and sometimes the parent even feels bad about it, but you're already establishing that lack of trust and that with, with the kid for not being around as much as you would like to. And so they start developing schemas about their worth related to uh, their, their caregiver's attention to them. So, And then in, in more extreme scenarios, because of the ignorance of the caregiver's there is a lot of verbal abuse early on, you know, and then when you have an entire community, which which is what we have all the time in low socioeconomic communities um, uh, with that have a lot of poverty, that have a lot of violence, that have a lot of domestic violence. So that's a melting pot of negative core beliefs that the children start to establish within themselves. And that's what they carry out to the world. So pretty much now we're looking at a scenario where. A kid has these ideas that they are unlovable. They don't deserve success. They don't deserve to be happy. Why? Because that's what they're seeing in their communities. That's what they're seeing in their family. And that's the way they're um, interpreting the world sees them as well. So so now as, as the kid is getting older and older and they're establishing their identities, they're carrying those, those uh, negative schemas, negative core beliefs out into the world. So what does that do? So that, 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 in essence, takes the, the option of decision-making from you because any time 
you you have a decision to make or anytime you have to engage in a, in a behavior you're going to automatically go into that negative thought process because that's what you've developed and it's 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 a very low self-esteem so anytime you go out there and you have a job interview you're like i can't get that job interview so i'm not even going to try and so you don't so that validates you being a failure which is something you believe in anyway and then you kind of validate that feeling by not going and not getting those so so you kind of there's a lot of self-fulfilling prophecies in a negative way as you're developing if you have negative core beliefs um you know you won't go on dates you you won't go to the job interviews you 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 don't believe you can get good grades and you start this cycle of like i'm not worth it i'm not i'm not i'm not good enough right so so at, at this point it's it's um something that Aaron Beck um uh developed called the 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 cognitive triad or also known as the negative triad where you have these automatic spontaneous and seemingly uncontrollable negative thoughts about the self the world or environment or and the future so for example when you're talking when you're thinking about yourself you're thinking i'm i'm worthless and ugly and i wish i was different or i wish i was different the world you're thinking that the as it pertains uh, the relationship between you and the world no one values me or people ignore me all the time and then the future would be i'm hopeless because things will never change or things can only get worse so so you have that connection of negative views about the world negative views about yourself and negative views about the future and that could lead to depression and that's very common that it leads to depression but here's where it gets um uh a little not so much just with depression but it could also lead to negative coping mechanisms because that so so what happens then when you start when you start going to the cognitive triad um which is like I said earlier is how you think about yourself how you think about the world in relation to you and how you think about your future then it starts bringing up anxiety and depression so what do you got to do with that you got to do something with that right so you start developing negative coping mechanisms so that you could live you could live a quote unquote functional life um and by that i mean you know be able to sleep and be able to function because if you, if you get consumed by this anxiety you're not going to be able to function so how how do you do that well you have to people start drinking people start abusing drugs people start engaging in risky behavior uh you know promiscuous sexual activity um you know uh, gambling uh, overeating um you know and the list goes on and on and on all these are negative um patterns of behavior and so now you're starting to see where how we feel about ourselves our emotions and our thoughts is connected to our behavior and how they have long-term negative consequences for us okay and same thing when we when we try to engage in relationships you know i know i talked about relationships um uh, i think last week i don't the shows are all a little bit out, out of order sometimes so i think it was last week when i did my relationships episode but so so again when people i i have patients telling me all the time how come nobody loves me how come nobody nobody's there for me when when i need them but yet i'm always there for somebody and i like to sit them down and i like to have what we call an assessment and we get to the core of it now i'm not going to get into that now cuz that's that's a whole topic for another day but here's what happens if you have negative core beliefs ae i'm unlovable and i don't deserve to be loved 
what starts to happen is that you start building anxious attachment. Okay? So what starts to happen is that it's also it's called anxious or fearful attachment. So what starts to happen is that because you want to be loved, you allow people into your life. Alright? So they're wonderful. We have something in common. Let's let's get it going. And then your negative core beliefs creep in. And then you start to wonder, I don't deserve to be loved. Now keep in mind this is going in a this is going on in a subconscious level. Sometimes you do think about it, sometimes it does creep into the conscience, and you do say, I don't deserve to be loved, and you could actually recognize it, but a lot of the times it's very subconscious. And that's why we're gonna get to why it's it's it leads to negative results. So people tend to be um, they meet someone new and they get into a relationship and they pretty much start having doubts relatively soon. And then they start thinking, well, I, I don't think this person wants to be with me. And then they start thinking, no, they don't want to be with me. And then they start thinking, why are they with me? And they start thinking, uh, he's going to leave me or she's going to leave me. And they start thinking, well, before that happens, I'm not going to get hurt again, so I'm going to leave them. So then they create a scenario to leave that person. So they essentially self-sabotage their own relationship. And it's a pattern that you see go on for years because that person has negative core beliefs. They don't believe that they're lovable because of uh, the way they were brought up, because of the experiences that they have, like I said earlier. So that's a pattern right there. And so what happens after that is that it just validates the person uh, that they're not lovable, right? Um, and of course, uh, uh, an addendum to that is the fact that because their self-esteem is so low that they don't have any self-love, they're constantly waiting for some for someone to fill them up with that love. So what does that do? That opens it up to the vultures and the jackals of the world. So now you have a lot of manipulators that come into your life and manipulate you and leave you hurt, and it validates how you feel about yourself. See, see, see the pattern that we're establishing here. See the the cycle. Uh, you know the, the so so that's what we have to break. All right. That that's when people come to therapy. That's what you have to break because people eventually get tired of that, and 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 they leave a trail of you know burned bridges and broken relationships and false promises and you know just all these negative things. And and what makes it troublesome and even life threatening is that every time somebody goes through this negative um, patterns of behavior. Again, they have to cope, and and a lot of times they've already turned to alcohol, drugs, or any or anything else that could be life threatening, right? So, and of course we have more serious um, scenarios where we have cutters. I, I I deal with a lot of people that cut themselves because then the physical pain allows them they could control the physical pain, whereas they cannot control the emotional pain. So I I I, I work with a lot of people that cut themselves. And that's a coping mechanism as well. Um, and so what starts to happen here is that we have, an, a, in essence, we have some, we, when people have negative core beliefs, they want to feel in control. All right. And it all comes down to control a lot of the time. So the reason, and, and here's what I said earlier. Sometimes we think that our behavior is conscious. For example, uh, you know that you're getting drunk. Because you don't want to feel. You want to forget. Right? We know that. Consciously. But subconsciously, you want to be in control. See, you could control 
the fact that you're drinking. You cannot control how much you're drinking, but that, but we don't think about it like that. We're thinking about, I could control, I, I, I choose to drink. I choose to go and, and, and eat, or I choose to purge, you know. I, 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 I choose to, to, uh, to, to be bulimic or anorexic because I have, I have a, an illusion of control. Now, the term choose doesn't mean that you're consciously choosing because obviously everybody that has these problems wishes they didn't have them. Right. But what you're doing is that you, you're subconsciously have given yourself the illusion of control by performing these negative behaviors, whereas everything that you're trying to cope with is out of your control. And so that's the reason why we engage in these behaviors. And the idea here is that you're getting a reward, a.e. not having to deal with the anxiety, the depression or the emotional resonance. Of, of what's happening with you by engaging in these behaviors. See what I'm saying? That's why we do a lot of these negative behaviors, and that's why part of the therapeutic interventions is to turn those into positive, um, more adaptive behaviors that I'll get to in a little bit here. So how the so how does one stay in this negative state of mind constantly for years, validating their own negative beliefs? Well, much like Sigmund Freud's uh, self-defense mechanisms, or defense, me not self-defense mechanisms, I'm sorry, defense mechanisms, um, which is a topic for another day, um, within this theory, we have cognitive distortions. And I, I've talked about cognitive distortions many, many times, or a couple of times in the past. I think I even gave a list of a lot of them. Um, but they're essentially your, your, your brain's... Um, cognitive biases so the interpretations are always going to be biased to whatever your, your your mind needs to justify its actions um, so they're, they're 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 known as faulty or unhelpful thinking patterns and they're even known as automatic thoughts because they're they're very spontaneous and, and there's something that's automatic within you so you know, we have things like arbitrary in, in, inference, which, which is like drawing conclusions from insufficient or no evidence. You know, we have overgeneralization, making sweeping conclusions based on a single event. We have personalization, which is a common one, attributing negative feelings of others to oneself. I mean, the list goes on and on. And like, and like I said, I've, I've, I've shared this list before. Um, and so... If you want to know more about cognitive distortions, just go to Google and type in cognitive distortions. There's a bunch of resources online for that, and it's a relatively simple um, list, and you'll see how much you relate or don't relate to that list. So um, that's something we engage in all the time. And so, you know, usually people that have that kind of negative core beliefs, they tend to have a lot of depression, and sometimes, sometimes it's situational, sometimes it's clinical depression, it depends. Um, but they see their lives as devoid of pleasure, and they're constantly defensive. They're constantly, it's, it's those people that are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, this is too good to be true. This can't be happening to me. And, and their inability to accept good fortune, which, which I believe we all get in doses here and there, some more than others, that's just life. But this idea that we're constantly going from one bad break to another, 
which is actually a lot of times, um, like I just explained right now, I just gave you guys that, that, that cycle that happens. It's done because of our own self-fulfilling prophecies. And, but we see it more as something that the universe has put upon us rather than us being accountable for a lot of decisions that we've made over the years that have put us in these situations of like heartbreak or financial loss or lack of achievements and improvements. A lot of that is because of the way we have lived our lives and because of our thought process um, living those lives. So that's something that people have to come to terms with and, and be able to change. Um, but again, because of a lot of it comes from the self schema, which again goes back to being a, a baby and a child and, you know, having those, um, childhood experiences, uh, it's very difficult to be conscious of that as things are going on. Like if you're a victim of criticism when you're a baby and by baby, I mean, when you're a little kid or you or you have a victim of abuse or a victim of bullying, um, you develop that negative self schema and, from there, from that point forward, you interpret the information presented to you in a negative manner, leading to the cognitive distortions that I talked about earlier. So that that's that's what's going on. That that that's the the, the cycle of, of negative behavior, and so many of us are caught in that situation, and we have to have some sort of an awareness of it. And I think once people become aware of it, they're a little more accepting of it. One of the hardest things. To, to uh, talk about in therapy is the accountability factor, right? Because I do have a lot of people that are like, my life sucks and everybody's against me. And why, 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 why? And it's like, well, let's back it up a little bit. Let's talk about this. Let, what is going on here? How come everybody's against you? Let's start from the beginning. And then as we start peeling the layers, you start to see that the behavior has been conducive to the way they viewed themselves and, and has been representative of the fact that they've had all these bad breaks as they've moved along through their lifespan. So the, the, the key there is to stop that and start implementing some more positive um, strategies to where the individual starts to see the improvement and, and, and the positive qualities of their life. So that's, that's one of the strategies that we use when we're trying to change that mindset. Because what starts to happen after a while is that all, all these experiences of, of having these negative core beliefs and having these negative behaviors, it, it's, it does a number on your self-image. And, and again, you, you have people that have like no self-esteem because it's one bad thing after another. And so they start to personalize everything. Everything is their fault. You know, if, if, if they have a birthday party and nobody shows up, it's their fault. If, 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 uh, if they're invited to a birthday party and they can't go because they have an emergency, they feel horrible. It's their fault that they weren't at their birthday party, even though this emergency could be something out of their control. So they, they trap themselves into this negative self-image, and that's when people give up, right? Because they can't see anything positive, you know? And it's like, well, why, why should I keep going, right? And in extreme scenario, it could lead to a suicidal ideation, in, in lesser extreme scenarios, it could just lead to just uh, a life of apathy where, like, you just don't try anything and you're just kind of mingling through. And again, it just, uh, again, the, 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 the worrisome thing about this negative thinking patterns is that no matter what, you're constantly validating your failures. You're constantly validating how you feel. 
if you don't try anything in your life, if you're not goal-oriented, if you're not taking any action, then a year from now, you're going to reflect on the fact that you didn't take any action. And thus, you're going to be depressed about the fact you didn't take any action. And it's going to that's another year of depression. And then you're going to reflect like, well, I just wasted two years now. And it goes on and on and on and on. And people get caught in that trap for, for, for decades, right? But I've always told people, let's focus on the future, right? Because in, in the future, that's where we're going. We can't go to the past. And if you don't know when you're going to die, which most of us don't, the future could be very uh, positive. It could be a very positive place to live, you know. So what do we do to uh, to change this? Okay, well, this is only, this is not a, <laughs> I'm going to be very simplistic when I talk about this because there's a lot to be, uh, there's a lot involved in changing the way we think about ourselves, changing the way we think about the world, and changing the way about how we think the world relates to us. Because it's like what I always tell people in therapy. It took you years to build this foundation of negative thinking patterns. It's going to take you almost as long. If you put in the work, it won't take you as long. But it, it would, it's going to be a lot of work to get you to change directions and start having more adaptive um, coping strategies that are positive. So I, you, I have this exercise that I do with with patients where we talk about positive affirmations now sometimes when people are in, in such a low where they're incredibly depressed and they, they they don't see the forest from the trees these positive affirmations could be incredibly cheesy and i always i always tell them that look these positive affirmations they might not seem real to you they might seem almost like like there's some pandering involved here but listen here a lot of, a lot of the cognitive distortions like generalizations that you make about yourself or personalizing everything these these things are just as ridiculous when you start breaking it down like like everything that happened to you 100% is not your fault but for some people it's like what are you talking about so it's like if it, it you know you it took you years to learn all those negative aspects about yourself so if you if you start believing these positive affirmations is you're eventually going to learn them as well to accept them. So eventually they're going to be useful to you, right? And so the idea here is to change the thought process and start challenging those negative core beliefs which which bring negative core thoughts, automatic negative core thoughts at that. So it, in, that, in that step, it's like, well, we're going to do something called cognitive restructuring, which is pretty much reframing your thoughts using strategies that we that we have in place for you to be able to do that and just allowing you to see how unreasonable some of your thoughts could be when you're judging yourself against them and and allowing your behavior to move forward because of those irrational thoughts so one one of the more one of the classic ways and, and, and simplest ways to challenge your negative thoughts is to journal, right? I always tell everybody, journal. Everybody should journal, everybody. I don't care. Even if you're in good mental health, journal. Because what happens with journaling is that you're able to bring sequence to your thoughts. I think I talked about this in, in my anxiety episodes because journaling with anxiety also helps tremendously. Um, you know, So what happens is that 
you 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 could you could make sense of your thoughts because when we're when we're stuck in our own head and we're constantly judging ourselves negatively, we're not taking action to change that. All we're doing is sitting there and passing judgment on all of our actions. And if they're already filtered through those negative core beliefs, then it's always going to be negative. So writing something down on a journal, your thoughts, and and after you finish, you read them back to yourself. It's almost like you're getting a, a, a third perspective. You know, you're, it's almost like another person is talking to you. And as you start to understand, like, wait a minute, this this is ridiculous. Like, it's not it's not it's not my fault this happened because you're reading it. So so now you're getting another perspective from it. Um, and it helps people start building strategies to challenge their thoughts. Right. So, for example, anytime somebody um, let's let's say let's say we're dealing with somebody that has alcohol issues. OK, well. I, I, I ask them to journal if they are going to consume alcohol. And that is a problem because the goal here is to make them stop. But, it, but you know, the road, when people are in recovery, they do relapse. And what I want them to do is, okay, well, I want you to journal what was going in your mind before you started drinking, during your, when, you start, when you were drinking, and then after you were drinking. So what that helps, that helps me do is find out their triggers, find out their emotional uh, reason for drinking because that's what they're going to journal before right so within that journal we could establish a pattern okay where well, every time i have to talk to my mom which i don't get along with i want to drink and and i've noticed from my journaling that i start drinking every time i talk to my mom or every time i have to um be social with somebody or whatever the case may be all right well then now we have we have an idea so now this is this is this is what's going on here so now Let's try to figure out how we could uh, prevent the triggers from happening so you don't drink anymore. See, so we're taking it by steps, step by step here. And then as we're moving forward with that, we could start bringing the interventions in and start helping people um, not drink anymore. And that's just one example. We could do that with all kinds of other issues going on with the person. Um, even like when they're extremely depressed, because when you when you have depression, you're going to have intense episodes so what happened before doing and after an episode okay well then this is what's bothering you okay well could we change this thinking pattern and or avoid that trigger so we have options right either you inter interpret the trigger differently or you um you avoid it okay so you know you have let's say let's say somebody is going through a depressive episode because their peers are graduating college and they're not and that's triggering them that's a trigger to them and it's putting down it's putting them down in a slippery slope of depression well let's reframe that thought what 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 differentiated you from your peers that graduated well you were dealing with some issues okay well then let's let's put some weight on those issues those issues are relevant to what's going on in your life this is your journey the other people that graduated were not dealing with these issues, right? And so that's a start right there. So now we start changing the thought process into more positive way of thinking, okay? So it's like instead of saying, I didn't graduate and my peers did, therefore I'm a loser. How about you were dealing with these issues and here you made it to your last year of college with your resilience and your strength in spite of everything you were going to. See, it's the same exact scenario, except 
we're, we're, we're putting a positive spin on it because it's all about perception. And so at that point, we allow ourselves to accept the positive qualities about us. And the positive qualities about us are like building blocks to our self-esteem. From that point forward, it's like, okay, well, that's true. You know, I've dealt with so much. Maybe, maybe, maybe I had a health issue that kept me bedridden for two weeks. And, and rather than taking that into consideration, I just compare myself with my peers and I'm a failure because they succeeded in graduating when I didn't. But no, they didn't have to deal with the health issue. And you yourself, in spite of that health issue, went on and finished three years of college instead of four. So these are the things that we start talking about. And as people start getting the idea of it, they start implementing it to their everyday lives and they start to see that there is a lot of positivity in their life. And of course, I'm being simplistic because there's all kinds of other issues that arise because when people are in a negative state of mind, they even have time accepting that. But we have other strategies that I won't get into that helps them with that as well. So anyways, that's, a, that's an example right there of some of the stuff that we do. So we identify, the first thing we do is we identify the negative automatic thoughts in somebody. Then we identify the cognitive distortions associated with those negative automatic thoughts. Then we dispute the automatic negative thoughts, um, looking at looking looking at oh it's called it's called the Socratic method. And essentially, what you're looking is you're, you're you're trying to be more abstract in your questioning of yourself rather than be more direct and giving into your negative thought and accepting that as the final judgment on yourself. So then once we once we question that negative thought, we kind of develop a rebuttal to that automatic negative thought. So that's the four step process of of cognitive restructuring. And it works and it's, it's scientifically proven to work. And it's it's something that's research based and is probably one of the more popular, if not the more popular form of therapy when it comes to these kind of situations. Um, and people have benefited from them for a long time. Um, I use it myself as well, but I'm more—I have more of an existential philosophy, which is something I'm going to talk about in another episode. It's a whole another form of uh, therapeutic intervention um, and and therapeutic orientation as well. So we'll get to that when we get to that. But anyways, so that's what's going on with the, with uh, people that the, the connection between. Uh, thoughts, emotion, and behavior. Also, practicing what's known as radical acceptance, which is something that I brought up in the past. It's very important. It's very important to do that. And what is radical acceptance? Radical acceptance is the acceptance of everything that you can control. It's it's also including who you are as a person, right? A, a, including the fact that you're a well-rounded individual who's who's full of different emotional reactions, and they're all valid. You know, there's there's no idea of perfection here. There's no idea that you constantly have to be happy, that you constantly have to be sad. This idea is is the idea that accepting things on how they are and allowing the things to just be, and and I think that it helps people along the way as well because it's very difficult to be positive when you feel that you have to control everything, including including your emotions and who you are. You know, I think finding balance. In, in your emotional output is key to allowing you to have a positive self-image because there, there, there are moments 
when we should be a little down because we're human beings and we're reacting to situations that affect us, right? But there's also moments where we need to accept the beauty of the moment and people have a hard time doing that, you know? So radical acceptance is a skill that, that, that's designed to keep pain from turning into suffering because it, it, it allows us to keep the pain um, it allows us to accept the facts of reality without responding by throwing a tantrum or with just negligence or, or, or just saying, oh, it's my fault because I'm a loser. You know, there's this idea that being able to react to what's happening to you in a more adaptive way is will lead you to having a better self-image about yourself. So, you know, and this doesn't mean just roll over and, and just... Um, ignore everything or live freely willy. No, it just means that we acknowledge what's going on and, you know, we acknowledge the facts of reality, will not change the facts, but keep us stuck in this thought such as this is unfair, why me and why now? All these things, right? Because people tend to be stuck in that. And that's very egocentric. People have this idea that whenever they're whenever they have a bad break, they should just sit there and pout. And like the universe is going to solve their problems. It doesn't work like that. You know, we have to, we have to, it, it, radical acceptance is not approval. It's, it's just, it's, it's, but rather completely accepting what's told in our mind, body, and spirit that we cannot currently change. So one of the things that I talk about is this idea that one thing they can never take away from us. Nobody could take away from us. They, people could put us in, in cages. People could put us in, in, in scenarios where there's going to be some suffering involved. But people cannot take away from us how we're going to react to that. We still have that choice of how we're going to react to bad situations. And once we come to that radical acceptance, we're able to react in a more positive way. Right? So, I think I've used this example before that I forget what I've talked about, but so I apologize for that. But whenever I have patients in the psychiatric hospital, a lot of them are 5150 and they don't want to be there because they feel like a lot of them have psychotic breakdowns or they're there because of the law or whatever the case may be. And they're like, well, I don't want, you know, I'm not crazy. This, I don't want to be here. And it's like, listen. You're already here. When we could, I could scan your behavior, and I guarantee you, you did not teleport to the hospital, right? Guaranteed. There's some, there's something that happened along the way that guided you to this hospital, and here you are on a 5150, which means you're possibly on a 72-hour hold, which you can't leave. And so we're here now. So what are we gonna do with our time now? Is the, is, is the situation ideal? No, it's not. I always validate them because they're suffering. And, and I, you got to remember, they themselves believe they shouldn't be hospitalized in a psychiatric hospital. So I never take that away from them because it's not fair. So I always validate their feelings and I always empathize with them because I would. Because if I was in that situation, I would, it would suck. So it's like, okay. That, and, and I agree with them. I, 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 would never, I would never challenge them because it's unfair to them. You never, you never, you never take somebody's pain away, because that's in in the sense where they don't want to give it to you, right? So, so if somebody's in mental distress, 
I'm not going to invalidate their pain. That's really what I meant, invalidating pain. Sorry, it's late here in L.A. Um, and I'm tired. So, <laughs> but, uh, so I don't invalidate their pain. What I do is I, I start a solution-focused technique that's going to allow them to process what's going on and start coping positively to their situation. So I say, listen, you're here now, and nothing's going to change that. So let's let's be solution focused. What are we gonna do to make this these next three days, if you if you're gonna be here in a 72 hour hold, a positive experience? Because right now you have that choice. I don't have that choice. The person here sitting next to you doesn't have that choice. You have that choice. So rather than pout, rather than not accept what's going on, let's see what we could do from this point forward. To make this a positive situation at the hospital. Because here at this hospital right now, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about family, friends, bills, drama. All you have to worry about is stabilizing your mental health and focusing on what you could do to, when you get discharged. Be, be more productive in your life. That's literally your only job right now for the next three days. You could do that and you could you could use your time wisely. You could You could talk to me and follow the interventions and we're going to move forward. Or you could sit here and pout for three days and jump off the walls because it's unfair that you're here. And when the time's up, you didn't learn anything. And well, guess what? You're going to be here. Uh, you're going to come back a year from now or a month from now or a week from now or whatever. So that's radical acceptance, right? And I think when people have low self-esteem, they have a hard time with that because they're constantly blaming themselves. They're constantly... Um, you know, trying to validate their their lack of worth. Well, I focus on what I could control. I can't focus on what I cannot control. You know, when this pandemic was going on, I felt bad for for the you know how politicized it got as far as the mask issue, right? But I wasn't gonna go out there and try to throw more gas on the fire by passing judgment on people. What, what could I do to control this? Well, I could wear my mask, and I did. Or I could stay indoors, and I did. And it wasn't going to affect anyone. That's, my, that's what I wanted to do because that's what I could control. I can't control a city of millions of people. But there's people out there every day who are constantly online or just within themselves in a, in bitter and rageful because they want to control the entire environment, and you can't do that. You got you to gotta have your house in check before you go out and try to change anything else. So that's part of being in a more positive state of mind. And I tell people that all the time. And it's like, just start by controlling what you could control. You can't control what you cannot control. You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm on the road on the freeway and one of the streets is closed, I can't get angry at that because I can't control that. What I could do is start to find a way to get to work faster. Not faster because I'm already screwed. That, that But let, uh, try not to be as late as I could have been. That's probably the better way to look at it. You know, and that's how I do it, right? I mean, I, I'm driving to work, and I'm the kind of guy that's always late anyway. So I'm just screwed myself a lot of times. But I'm, I'm driving to work, and there's a street that's closed. I could sit there and scream and pout and blah, 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 blah. Or I could say, shit, it sucks, but now I got to find a way around that. And it's always about finding solutions to the problem. 
It's not about the problem becoming more of a problem. And I think a lot of people live their life like that and they never get anywhere because of it. Right? So many times, I know people listening, myself included, I, I, I get confronted with situations where it's like it's completely out of nowhere and it's and it's it sucks. It really does. And it could be something extreme. Like I know people out there have lost loved ones because of COVID. Or it could be something minor, like like the fact that the street is blocked. But it's like, it doesn't matter what it is. We have to be, we have to adapt to the situation and think of a solution rather than panicking or, or, or being angry or upset. And, you know, well, the COVID death is different because you do have to process the grief, but that's beside the point. The idea here is that we cannot allow it to cloud where we're going, right? Because it's like, okay, well, now this happened and, and I'm hurting and, and my loved one is dead, but how are we going to go get a rise above this? What about some of the things that they left behind? Maybe they had children. Maybe maybe there, there was a house that has to get put in order. So there's a lot of things that come up and rather than just not lead and just shrivel away in a corner somewhere, you have to get up and you have to say, okay, well, how are we going to, what's the solution here? What is the practical solution here? And move forward. And we're constantly faced with these decisions every day. And we have to constantly come up with solutions to issues that we were not foreseen. And I think successful people tend to be very solution-minded people. And unsuccessful people tend to pout. And they tend to go into a corner and they tend to not get back up. And again, sometimes sometimes that's connected to their negative core beliefs. And they, they, they've always seen themselves as failures. So this is just another obstacle that they're going to fail at. And these are the things that we have to change. Because part of life is getting through this and reaping of the rewards that we get from it. That's what makes life worth living so anyways i'm gonna cut it short right there because i've already gone on longer than i wanted to so that is uh i guess thoughts emotions behavior think about that next time that you're about to do something risky some sort of risky behavior if you're angry or if you're upset or if you have some sort of bitterness you know there's there's no point in any of that. It's wasted energy, right? Because at the end of the day, you get to create your own narrative. You get to you get you get to react to how you how you want to react to something, not how people expect you to react. How you feel you should react to something. And always understand that every all, all your situations are subjective to 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 the variables that they come in. Don't don't. Don't go all black or all white on everything, right? If this didn't happen for you, I'm a failure. Or if this did happen for you, I'm still a failure. You know, it's like, no. Analyze the entire situation. What happened along the way that maybe led, led to a setback? Or maybe led to maybe a little more room for improvement, right? Language is very important, too. We can't be failures. We have setbacks, Okay. I don't think we should be victims. I think we should be survivors. That's really what we are. And using the right language and the right terminology to kind of put that into your brain will allow you 
to come to terms with the situations in a more positive way, you know, because words have a lot of impact on how we view ourselves. And so anytime we're in a situation where we feel bad, just step back and analyze, okay, well, what's going on here? You know, what, what, let me, let me rethread my path, right? And, and, and if, it was something where you yourself can't convince yourself that there was something along the way that maybe wasn't your fault. Let's just say all, all, you know, all things being equal, you're in a bad situation because you made a bunch of bad decisions that are 100% your fault. Well, then what's wrong with changing gears the next day and starting anew? There's nothing wrong with that. This idea that we have to carry our baggage from the years of negative behavior is flawed, Right? I'm not saying all the all the bridges that we burn are gonna be able to be reconstructed. I'm not saying that because some people, hey, you 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 burn that bridge, they ain't coming back. What I'm saying is that the bridges moving forward don't have to get blown up no more. That's what I'm saying. So, with that said, I'm gonna cut it here. Don't forget to challenge your thoughts, journal when you can, practice radical acceptance of yourself as a, as a complex individual and of the world around you and also change your perspective on things you know again the narrative is yours to create and you know change the lenses the focal lenses into how you see the world you know um, see them with clear eyes and understand that you, sometimes things happen to us that are not our fault sometimes we're responding to trauma we're responding to um negative circumstances that happen to us it's funny because what, what what trauma does is that it builds defense mechanisms in the brain and those defense mechanisms unfortunately don't have reasoning or logic they're just trying to protect us from previous suffering so we end up avoiding positive situations in fear of that previous suffering keep all that in mind uh, and become more self-aware of where you come from how, how you react to things and, you know, just try to accept the positivity that comes into your life because every one of us has something to be grateful for. If you're listening to this right now, I guarantee you, you have something to be grateful for. Hold on to that. Hold on to what you have rather than what you don't have because what you do have is valuable. And it could be something that one day you don't have. So treasure it for the moment. And with that, with that said, have a good night and we'll talk to you soon. We'll catch you down the road.